Hey, Rugby Rant fans, we're back. Round two with Coach, or sorry, with GM Ryan Fitzgerald from the NOLA Gold. Welcome to the Rugby Rants episode of Run, Pass, or Kick. Uh, we got a good show tonight. I mean, really, the focus is going to be about debriefing with GM uh, Fitz on the heels of the MLR draft from last week, talk a little bit about their strategy, what their thinking was as they went into the draft and approach to it, kind of what their war room and, and war room preparations were like. Then we'll talk a little bit about how they, how he sees the roster in 2022. So Ryan, welcome to the show. It's good to have you back, my brother. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it, Rob. Uh, always good to be here. Uh, sorry about, you know, some of the technical difficulties from time to time and uh, good old mother nature here at the storms in, in NOLA, but uh, we're through and we're good. So. Yeah, well, Nola's uh, no stranger to, to big old storms coming through the Gulf, no, is it? No, they're not. No, they can handle it, and they they get them, and they fight them, and we're, we're through. So, yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, as we get started, I want to thank one of our partners for um, support of the show, uh, and that would be Rugby Coffee. Rugby Coffee is a wonderful partner because their values are shared with us. Their values are our values. Um, they really are trying to grow the game, and they do that by contributing 10% of all sales to youth rugby programs. They've done that um, up in Canada. Uh, they have a uh, Toronto Arrows brew, and they've really used uh, proceeds from that to help them build youth rugby programs up there uh, north of the border. Um, and if you haven't had an opportunity, folks out there, give rugby coffee an opportunity to shine and cheer up your morning. They have two North American brews. Jouet, Jouet, it's a darker roast. It's one of my favorites. I love it. And then, of course, uh, there's crowd favorite. It's a nice, milder blend. Sometimes we're doing late night shows. I had a little bit of that um, just to cap off my night. But it's excellent brew. Get your get your brew while you get a chance. And we know that there's a connection to Nola. Um, one of Ryan's players down there, Kyle Rogers, is a brand ambassador for rugby coffee. So we're excited to uh, have him join that. And um, it's always exciting to see him play. And as a matter of fact, I think Ryan, I was mentioning it last night, I've connected up with one of your newest members of the NOLA gold, a guy from your neck of the woods up there in Wisconsin. Um, yeah. We're going to be talking. Yeah. 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 Carm, we're going to be talking about him a little bit later. So hold, hold on, hold your thoughts. Cause we're interested in hearing about him, but I'm going to go a cup of Carm up there in Elkhorn at a place called Stillwater coffee. My hope is to give them an opportunity to brew and try a little bit of that. And, and Carm and I will share uh, an experience, drink some coffee experience and talk about some rugby. So I'm looking forward yeah, to it. That's outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And again, you know, nice was corn fed Wisconsin guy. You gotta, gotta love those boys, right? Awesome. They're not bad. <laughs> yeah, my only knock on them, uh, Fitz, is is they're fans of the Packers, and I, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when you, when you enjoy winning, like you know, we do, you know, yeah. we tend to do that, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't, I can't fault you for that. You guys have got two quarterbacks, and about yeah. the same time. I'm thirty, I'm, 30 I'm thirty-seven years old, and I've seen two quarterbacks in my entire life, you know, play for the Packers, pretty much, you know. So, yeah, yeah. And and I'm fifty, and I've seen about. Uh, Oh, 50 of them. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it could go a little better for us. Yeah. Um, so we're going to, we're going to start the run passer kick uh, part of the episode here. And I'm going to open up with my uh, opening salvo uh, being a, a Marine yourself, you know, you know what I'm talking about here, but hopefully I don't uh, get myself into trouble. 
So we're going to start with the first question, run past your kick. We're going to make it easy on you. Um, rumor has it, this is what we're told, things float around NOLA. We know how the rumor mill goes. Oh, that players who want uh, to make the starting 15 put a six-pack of Mountain Dew on the outside of your office on Thursday mornings just before selections. Is there any truth to this rumor, run past your kick? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I will say this. I'll I'll pass it. But before I say that, I said I will say it can't hurt. Can't hurt to be. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's you know amongst the guys. It can't hurt to put it out there. I mean, maybe someone did right now. I mean, I got one here. Whoa. You know, but uh, I'll pass it off to you, Rob, and see what you think. Uh well, yeah, hundred percent. It can't hurt. I definitely would uh, use every uh, 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 weapon in my toolbox to get myself on the right. pitch for sure. So. Uh, right. that one, a little Mountain Dew, maybe a five spot or something like that and see what yeah. happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it might be true. Who knows? Maybe it yeah. is. Maybe that's just an ongoing thing or a hoax, you know, like they think. But, uh, you know, hey, I'll take them, you know. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I, I, wanted to, I wanted to mention the fans. We had a conversation, I think it was about two weeks ago, about, uh, about a week before the draft. And, man, I, I, I got to say, uh, you looked weary, my friend. <laughs> Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, good, good look, good, easy way of saying it. you look like hell, you know? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't much. say it, you did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's been, it's been pretty, it was, uh, it was pretty, I mean, honestly, we played, you know, New York on July 17th. And I think between, uh, after that game being on, you know, July 17th, come, we were supposed to come back. We got delayed out there another two, three days, came back, we land doing jumping right into exit interviews guys doing a quick banquet guys are doing kangaroo court uh you know guys are obviously getting on the road and getting home right away because guys with covid this year some guys haven't you know been home or crossed the border uh like the canadians and stuff are flying home seeing family immediately uh getting guys out of the apartments exit interview before you know it um you know the draft is in like 10 days you know so it was like you know obviously it was just cramp you know you know keeping an eye and having notes from last year and stuff but also um, a total cram city as far as, you know, trying to lot, you know, have interviews and, you know, just run out of time in the day, you know? So uh, yeah, they're getting to a point where you're watching so much tape where the tape is just watching you, you know, where you're kind of dozing off at the screen, you know? So, um, you know, definitely dozed off a few nights here at the, at the gold mine, but uh, yeah, we made it all good. Yeah. I, I love that little bit because I don't, I just don't know that the average fan appreciates just how hard GMs work behind the scenes you know you see the players out on the field busting their nuggets and sweating and bleeding and you know nursing injuries but they don't see just the kind of work and energy that it takes to run your ship right yeah. all the stuff that you talked about um that had to take place between the time you guys ended your season and the time you guys started ramping it up for the draft yeah absolutely and there's the day-to-day -day stuff i mean you're trying to Everything we just mentioned was just, you know, this draft, you know, and watching and taking notes. And maybe you don't get the guy, maybe even if you watch a guy in a value and you like him and maybe you don't get him in this draft, but then you keep an eye on him um, where he goes to another, you know, Team X and he gets cut during training camp and you can scoop him up or you keep it kind of in the back of your head that, hey, if we have some injuries down the line or something like that, he might be a good guy to call. But then, like you said, yeah, the day to day stuff of, you know, the salary cap and injuries and injury updates and you bring a guy in and the apartments and, um, you know, just, you know, Trying to fit that all under the cap, plus trying to fit you got thirty five really competitive roster. You, you know, you can only pick twenty three on game day. You know, so the coaches have that pressure of that. You know, and then uh, it's an ongoing ebb and flow, keeping the culture in the locker room to, you know, you know, doing you know whatever it's podcast interviews. You know, there's sometimes you just run out of you run out of time. You know, so uh, you try to cram as much as you can and stay balanced. And uh, I think we got a good staff to do it.
Absolutely. I, I bet you have a sergeant at home that keeps you pretty well in line and make sure you stick to schedules. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, my six-year-old daughter, Rowan, kind of runs the show too, you know? So as far as telling me when, when you know, I said no, you know? So yes, you know, she definitely, she definitely, uh, you know, come home and she kind of lets, you know, you're on her schedule immediately. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I want to talk about some of the things that you just mentioned. And, and um, later on, I want to get into that seller cap question because we actually had some fans um, before the weather cut us off uh, last night, um, as we were uh, going live, um, some fans were asking about uh, salary cap and and both individual and team. So we'll come back to that. We'll circle back to that one later. But I want to talk and focus more on the draft. Um, and and as we mentioned, one week before the draft, you spoke about um, to us about the draft and the process and things like that. Um, right. And and again, you you had remarked you hadn't slept in two weeks. You were hitting the dew pretty hard and. Um, you, you look much, uh, much more chipper now, much more, uh, ready for the road, but at that time, run faster kick, can you provide some highlights on how NOLA prepared for the draft? You've mentioned tape, you've mentioned some other things, but again, for fans at home, they kind of don't have the insights and the inner working knowledge that somebody might have that works, uh, with the gold and understands what you do on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, so myself, uh, Nate Osborne, Todd Fitzgerald, even Kane Thompson, um, you know, we take a look at the spreadsheet of the players that have declared and the earlier start, the better, because, you know, it's, it's an ebb and flow. It, the league sends you out, you know, it gets updated. Uh, you know, they don't all just, you know, mass dump it in there at one time. It's, you know, 10 new guys, 10 more guys. Have jumped in it. So you try to jump on it quick so that you're not, you know, just 212 guys at one time, you know, um, we recognize and highlight some names that we do know or we have heard of from, from the beginning of the year from CRC sevens was here talking to coaches and players here already kind of earmarked some guys and noted some guys. So you see those um, you dig right into the tape, obviously, you know, a six minute highlight tape or something like that is not going to consolidate the guy's whole entire career and how necessary it is, but at least you can see, you know, the basics, at least you can see his feet work. At least you can see whatever it is, tackling any, anything, any aspect that kind of stands out and jumps out to you. Um, and then you can circle back those ones that really kind of, you know, really kind of, you know, step up and shine to you. Then you circle back by giving them a call, giving the coach this call, you know, and we have that information on there. And I think then you start kind of, as you're doing that, Rob, you know, you start kind of laying out your big board. I got, you know, the big six foot by eight foot, you know, whiteboard here, you know, the old Mel Kuyper Jr. whiteboard or big board, you know, but uh, the Nola Gold big board. And we kind of lay it out by position and start, um, start kind of hammering out from props to hookers all the way down to fullbacks and everything. Then kind of just, you know, a penciling in a little bit of a ranking structure. And then as you get to know them, as you get to find out whether it be injuries or work ethic or anything, you talk to the coaching staff, you start moving some pieces around from, all right, this guy was fifth. He's at the bottom, you know, he's kind of coming up. And then there's some guys pop late and, you know, like, Hey, I didn't get a chance to look at this guy, but um, kind of take a big picture like that and then kind of start honing it in. And you see that there's 39 picks in the draft. So you, you take those 212, I think you kind of try to get a solid, you know, 25 to 30 that you're really like, and then maybe some fringe guys that you can take a shot on. And then immediately, as soon as the draft is over, um, we started making some calls on some undrafted guys that we would love to bring in right now and come on down for the fall season. Um, you know, whether we have some Markel Cup games here, some local games, some NRFC, some academy games, even just hanging out with the guys training, we can kind of see in person, see alive. Um, the showcase helped this year as well a lot. You know, if anything, what the showcase did sometimes too is bring guys down to earth a little bit. And I, don't, I mean that, in a, you know, I don't mean that in a bad way, but I mean, obviously, when a guy puts in a five minute highlight reel, he's obviously going to put in some of the best plays, you know. So then when you can go up there and you can kind of see him in person and see him live, whether it be throwing lineouts or, 
throwing a scrum pass or something like that, you can kind of see, okay, yes, I get it. You are human. You are good, but you know, you're not, you know, not flawless, you know? So I think that kind of, if anything, reiterates kind of like your, you know, kind of just your overall scouting. And then come draft day, just kind of stick into your, staying calm and sticking to your guns, you know, like don't get anxious, be like, all right, this is what we, this is what our plan is. If he's here, we're going to go this way. If it's not, we can afford to make a little bit of a move here. Um, doing some research on some other teams and some other rosters to see if anybody's going to jump here or anything like that, if they would. Um, and just kind of, you know, letting the board talk to you. Uh, yeah, and that's exactly what I was looking to to hear a little bit more about is is exactly what you described. And I want to delve into one of those pieces because the Rugby Showcase, which you mentioned, is a new piece this year. And it's one of the things that on the Rugby Rant we really think it would be beneficial to see the league incorporate that a bit more, perhaps yeah. do one out east, do one in the Midwest, do one out west to give more players more access. And it might put pressure on GMs and coaches because you guys would have to travel to three different events. But um, I think it would give more players opportunities to shine that perhaps couldn't afford necessarily to go to, you know, to Connecticut. So on that right. note, one of the things that Mike Brown mentioned was a chance that GMs and coaches, people like yourselves, got a chance to interview or talk to some of the players one-on-one. -on -one. And I know you have an NFL background. Folks may yeah. not know that. How much did that intangible piece, that non, you know, uh, athletic on the field skill-based piece um, play in your, and this is an unscripted question, play in into your, um, you know, grading out of the players. I know you're familiar with the Wonderlick yep. that is very famous in the NFL, given quarterbacks. Kind of, did you have some things in mind as you interviewed yeah. players that you were really thinking about? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, yeah, three years at the Senior Bowl and with the NFL and the NFL Combine and stuff, you can ask almost any scout in the league. One of the best parts about the NFL Combine or the Senior Bowl is the interview process is to be able to finally, after tracking this guy for a year or two, I'm talking NFL now, they finally get a chance to sit down with the guy one-on-one. -on -one. Been talking to every coach, been talking, but now it's his product. Same thing with this one this week. This was a little different, obviously. You know, we can talk to the players throughout the season. It's, or, you know, if they're a senior, you can start talking to the coaches. But meeting them in person um, is massive. Just from everything from, you know, their background. Uh, where'd you come from? Where you been? How did you get here? You know, how'd you get to, how'd you get to said school on a scholarship? Where'd you, what small town you're from, you know, kind of digging into, you know, you start, you start hearing some really good stories about guys coming from some tough adversity and, you know, you know, and then you really also kind of find out how much it means to the guy. Like, yep, I got my bags packed. I get picked. I'll go to any city. I'm in, you know, stuff like that is what you want to hear and what you're excited about. And, you know, it's always great to see on a resume. It's always great to see in a highlight reel, but sitting down with the guy and shaking his hand, sitting down and talking one-on-one -on -one with him you know, five feet apart. Um, I think that's where you really, you know, it's hard to fake that. You can kind of really see the culture, really see the passion of the guys there. So that was massive. And then, like I said earlier, also, um, because that's also when you, when you go to a tape where a guy has a great career, he's a three-time All-American, one rugby showcase of him having one bad pass or slipped a little bit running the 40, you're not going to go, well, he's done. You know, he went to Life University and he's a three-time All-American and he's got three national championships, but he slipped up the 40. So, you know, he's out of here. That's not what it does. Same thing at the NFL Combine. You know, you don't, you know, you're a three-time All-American having one running one bad route at a combine is not going to drop you. It's more about checking the boxes and getting to know you. Gotcha. Kind of reminds yeah. me, you know, uh, I, one one summer I was with my family on vacation. Long story short, we're on a dock because it's raining like mad. And and I'm talking to this couple and they have a little kid. He's about four or five. And 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 I walked up to him and he and he says to me, he goes, are you a Cowboys fan or not? That's probably one of the questions you ask some of the guys. Are you guys a Green Bay fan or not? You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I answer. So, yeah, uh, no. 
that yeah, that one, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that everybody, a couple guys, especially with you know, we'll get into it with Car being out court. They're like, oh, how much do you know about him, Milwaukee? You got to know. I'm like, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, got some. It was good to get some good intel and everything that from some friends back home and know him and everything like that. But yeah, that's uh, man. If I if we picked off just Packer fans, we would have a. Yeah, you know, lonely team out there. Packers fans, small, you know, big, a lot of fans, but also small city. You know, so yep. sure. I want to dig in a little bit. We've talked about some of the draftees or some of the guys that you're looking at. I want to talk about the next question uh, in in regards to so those selections. So, run pass or kick? What were Nola's priorities going into the 2021 draft? Um. So yeah, I mean, of course, we always have your, um, we always have some positions of need with a little bit of question mark, or maybe we're going to be a little scarce there, or maybe that's some position we want to fill. But I don't think that we force it. You know, it's like, well, we really need to have, we really need to get a, uh, um, just for instance, you know, we really need to get an inside center or something, and there is no inside center in the draft. I don't think you just manufacture one or pick, you know, just you know, um, I think you do have to kind of stick with that best player available. If there is one there, great. Um, you know, Hooker, for instance, for George Sharp caught us off the bat or, you know, as well. You know, with uh, Kevin O'Connor this year having a great is our number three is Pat O'Toole is Eric it was a lot of Kevin O'Connor as well towards the back end um, might be up in the air a little bit about going back you know going back home working in California work, using his degree using it working with his dad family company so that was kind of a position to fill that number three I also think that you know George being here for 12 years now in the states I mean he's been here longer than he has when he, he's from in England he's you know my you know he's considered American um, we're back to back years now we're the only team in the league with an all American all domestic front row um, the past two years we've been first in scrums and right up there at the top in lineouts. So I think that is an essential piece, you know, scoring 65, 70% of your tries from the lineouts. Mm-hmm. I think that lineout scrum half is two specialty positions um, that you can't get enough of. You know, you can't have enough of they're, they're touching the ball. So, for, you know, you're down in the corner, seven meter scrum or seven meter lineout, you got to hit that throw. Um, scrum half is obviously touching the thing 90% of the time. So those are big pieces. So, and uh, as well with Holden, Holden, you know, uh, long time girlfriend, Maddie did get a job up in Boston might be possibly, you know, not positive of the future, you know, just because she is, you know, get, did get into, uh, a nursing school up in Boston that, you know, might have to move on. We'll see. It's going to be up in there, but either way, again, last year, uh, this past year, Key and Barry was our number three. Uh, scrum half still in the mix, still uh, fighting for that. Still did you know came a long way from January to you know the end of the year, but at the same time, Christian was you know Kean's you know extremely versatile. So if Christian took over at number three for that or whatever, or battling for two and three spot, Kean's also got some definite uh, you know ability at you know wing or fly half or wing or you know, fullback. I'm sorry, you know so. Um, again, I think when those specialty positions at Hooker and nine, it's hard to. And George Sharp was a guy that we targeted. I thought there was actually a, quite a few good-looking scrum hookers in this draft that are tough, physical. Um, I thought where George separated himself um, this year is when I called him the uh, week before the draft, and he drove seven and a half hours overnight just to come here and throw 15 line-out throws in front of myself, Nate, and Eric Howard. So Eric Howard was here in town. Eric Howard wanted to see if they're in. You know, he was a natural thrower. I think sometimes a lot of people are, you know, you, you kind of take a shot at moving that back rower to hook as well and everything, and it's always a risk, and sometimes it lands perfectly. But I thought George, uh, meeting him in person, again, like we talked about, having that interview process in person kind of separated himself a little bit, and then also his throwing ability. So um, Jake Mizell, also his head coach at Arkansas State, you know, couldn't say enough good things about him. So um, we're really happy with George there. And uh, we were probably going to go with him there at number nine. And uh, Brandon wanted from the Utah wanted to move up and, you know, really wanted to get and, uh, Joey Baki at number nine. So uh, able to get a little extra cap space and still get our guy at 11. So, uh, I mean, you're always 
<laughs> moving and shaking in the draft yeah. to get yourself in a better position. I know there was a, a trade right there uh, before last year's draft, and it brought you guys uh, some space and ability to bring in JP um, and also freed up some cap space. So, um, and then going back to that hooker position, you know, I, I, again, the common fan, I don't know if they understand how important it is for that throwing to be there. I mean, it can be something yeah. that can ignite your your side. You know, you, you get a you get a, a you know touch finder right there just before half. You're on the five meter. You get that throw perfectly done on. You get a driving mall, boom, score, and it really puts the op- opposition uh, in a yeah. bad place. You know, going into the sheds. Um, whereas if you miss that opportunity, it's an overthrow, something like that, or it's not straight. It's, it's devastating. Yeah. 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 So, I, yeah. And sorry, not to, I'm sorry, not to interrupt you, Rob, as well. Like you said, it's a huge momentum shift. Andrew, Andrew Guerra, someone gets over the ball right there at the 50, big turnover. You put it in the corner. You got Dolan going up and getting it, and you throw it not straight. Those are tough ones, you know. And also, the lineouts in this league are so tough. You see the locks that are going up, you know, the you know the, the Dolans, the Nick Savettas, the Kyle Baileys, the, you know, the all, left and right. You know, Austin's got Utah. Every All of them are, you know, just Ben Landry's going up in the air. All these guys, the window to hit that throw, you know, is tight. Sometimes, you know, is, you know, even talking to Andrew Guerin in his exit interview, it's like sometimes the set pieces is huge coming from college to MLR. You know, colleges sometimes it's sometimes it's just a prayer to get the guy, lift the guy up in the air straight, throw the ball straight, and get it down to the nine, and it's a huge win. You know, uh, now we're we're slipping, we're going to the back jumper, we're going to third jumper. There's malls afterwards. There's so much more in those set pieces that, and it starts with the throw. It's crucial, and it's a crucial, crucial piece. So, um, really wanted to make sure that we have that right. And like I said, I. It's a vulnerable spot too, as you know. You know, when you're sitting there and you do that first line out, you can't hit it. You're like the whole the opposing team knows it too. It's gonna be a long day, you know, where you can't use that that 40 meter touch line. Yeah, they're gonna pick that like a scab. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to number four. Um, so we're gonna see if we can get maybe we can get a, a, a pass or a kick out of this one. We'll see. Um, if Nola would have had the number one pick, who would you have selected? Oh man, yeah. I'll, I mean, I'll answer, but I'll also, I'll, I mean, I felt you laying it up in alley ooping and everything. That I'll definitely, <laughs> I'll tee it up. I'll tee it up and pass it over to you, Rob. So. Okay. Um, well, it's it's hard to for me. It's hard to argue. Of course, you know everybody knows uh, that watch the show consistently knows my familiarity with LU, and I've seen Tanasha Machena and uh, Emmanuel Albert, of course, the uh, Rudy Schultz Award winner from twenty twenty one, play quite a bit. I like both those guys. I think they're hard nosed. I mean, if 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 position isn't an issue, if I'm not looking at need, if I'm just picking position, um, I might go with either one of those two because you can insert them at the you know lock position and get a lot you know gets a, a mobilize your pack a bit more, right? You yep. still get some quality lineup ball. They're physical, hard hitters, hard runners, um, you know, good at the breakdown. Um, but then you can also work them in at number six or potentially number eight. Um, so I th- I think that's you know what I would be thinking. Uh, the guy that I think is I don't know that he was 100% on people's radar, um, but Alejandro um, uh, Torres, uh, as far as a back, I really, when I watched this film, the granite, you know, going back to what you said earlier, you know, they're going to pick the highlights, but man, every single, first of all, what I liked about his highlight, and Andrew spoke about it when we, when I talked with him a bit, you know, the fact that when you're showing highlights, you know, I almost, as I was looking at a bunch of highlights, I saw guys, you know, as run, 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 yeah. run, run, run. And I'm going, okay, we got it. You can run. So can everybody else, yeah. right? You're a high level college player. Can you tackle? Can you jackal? Can you do something spe- uh, position specific that's going to make me go, wow, right? And he was a guy that did that. Like every time the ball was delivered, it was 
right on the line at pace into space. He was springing a guy. He was putting a ball and through a grubber. He was chipping it up over top. He was putting a touch finder in there. I really thought that his highlight, his highlight film showcased a well-versed arsenal of attacking capabilities. So um, I liked him, you know, but, but I understand there's a lot of GMs that are like, you know, that's the number one position you got to go with a guy yep. with experience. It's a known commodity. So um, those were kind of the things that I saw. Yeah. Yeah. It's always tough. And of course there's some foreign players, you know, international foreign players that are coming over after they get the degree, then they're on the student visa. Are they going to be able to get the P one visa? It's always a risk. You know, it's always a tough one sometimes. And there's always limited foreigner spots. So some GMs are, you know, already got some foreigner spots lined up and being used, um, you know, with, with some visas downrange or the roster's already filled with them. So that's always a tough one as well. And some of those other, some of those players that maybe were in the mix, um, but yeah, I also, you know, at the end of the day, too, when you get that, you know, especially in that round one pick or overall number one pick, you got to be able to pretty much, are you fit enough? Can you defend? Can you make your tackles? Can you get around the park and everything that you have basic skills? And, you know, I, I, all the guys you were saying, I you know, thought were very good with, you know, both the Lindenwood boys, everything. I would also add, you know, I think, um, you know, Lapetti really impressed me, obviously, from Seattle as far as his physicality and being able to run, especially if you're going to play in that inside, you know, the 12, 13 channel. There's just some big boys coming through there with some high skills. You're going to have to, at the very least, um, run hard and be physical, you know, and be on the tackle. And I think he will, you know, um, you know, he had a great rugby town sevens as well. And then also um, a guy that's got a great motor gets over the ball, obviously some life, you know, university as well was Chase. I thought Chase Shore Haskin will be very, yeah. you know, I think he's a guy, if you're just talking like right now, you have to play a game in MLR tomorrow, you know, can he be in that six, seven, eight slash wearing the number 20 off the bench? He probably could just because he's fit enough. He's big enough, physical, and he's tough enough. And he does add that, um, jackal to getting over it and fighting for it, you know. So, um, you know, again, those are uh, those are some runs right there that were, they were all right there at the top. Yeah. Awesome. So I want to talk. About, out, you know? So yeah, yeah, and, and it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next year. Of course, you know, we yeah. we had our eyes on guys like Matt and Tellus, and and you know, um, and and then Andrew Guerra really shows us, uh, yeah. you know what he was capable and is capable of doing it with right. for obviously from a gold standpoint, I was right. uh, happiest as a, you know, oh, yeah. uh, peach in a pie. Yeah, so. yeah, we're, we're happy with both ours last year. Nolts made some awesome progress playing in seven mm -hmm. games. And obviously, you know, the biggest jump without a doubt, you know, to come into MLR is, you know, front row, especially tight head, you know, and yeah. Brian Nolte's first two games that he ever plays in MLR outside of Century Washington are uh, against Jamie McIntosh. And I just kept on saying, I was like, hey, man, well, good news is it might not be probably not going to get that much harder than that, you know, as far as he might be one of the biggest humans in the league. But, uh, you know, bright futures for both of them. And uh, also just, you know, something that people keep in mind as well, with uh, I think, with the MLR draft is I think a lot of people as Americans, we talk about draft and you think NFL, you know, you think Trevor Lawrence is the first overall pick. He's clearly going to be the head man for the job. MLR draft might be, you might hit some ones like that big time with the Garras and Connor Mooneyham was a great hit, had a great year, no doubt, you know, but then it also might be um, closer to MLB baseball kind of in LA. You know, you get drafted mm -hmm. tomorrow by the Yankees, you know, the first overall pick tomorrow gets drafted by the Yankees. He ain't going to Yankee Stadium tomorrow. You know, he's going to go down to Arkansas and he's going to go down to Arkansas and ride the bus for two years. You know, so, you know, there is also some guys that are you're getting picked maybe on some future potential where he can come in good academy, good men's club, good coaching, and he can accelerate quickly. Maybe give him like a red shirt year and he's he's there for year two. So um, before anybody, you know, before you get everybody looking at depth charts or getting too deep into the depth chart, like, why would you pick that guy? You have it. It might be a project, it might be a year out, it might be a two year out. You know what I'm saying? 
100%. So I want to talk a little bit about, because uh, we alluded to it earlier, some of the moves that, that you as a general manager make to get yourself into a position uh, to make the draft picks that you wanted to make. So run, pass, or kick. Gold were slated to draft number 11, number 24, number 37. Come draft day, you guys ended up drafting number 11, number 22, and number 30. So run, pass, or kick. What were some of the nuances of these moves? And you know, what kind of insight can you provide into that strategy? Oh, I mean, that's my favorite part about the draft to me. I was texting all the way up the night before, just kind of just chipping at guys saying, who wants to play, man? Who wants to play? Let's have some fun with it. Like, let's move around here a little bit. Let's, you know, some guys did. We didn't have, you know, obviously you need a trade partner and some things. But no, in all hindsight, you know, Brandon called me on that one. And um, we were going to go with uh, George at number nine. And uh, um, he asked to swap from nine to 11 for some extra salary cap space. And, uh, you know, kind of spoke about who he wanted. And then, um Number 10 was in between there at Dallas, but uh, I kind of had in my notes that talking to George early in the week that he never got a call or anything like that from Dallas at that time. So I rolled the dice that, well, if they haven't called him and haven't interviewed him, I don't think they're going to pick him, you know? So, I mean, not that early, you know, if you're th- round three and stuff later, maybe, but not, not round, you know, not so sure enough, we still got our guy at number nine and got some extra cap space. And then, um, Round two, we just sat and wait. You know, Christian Christian was there. It was perfect. You know, we brought him in the week before as well. We flew him down from uh, from Penn State uh, day before his graduation. As they walked, we flew him down. He worked out for us. Box kicked with both feet. Met some of the boys. Uh, had a frozen rope that he threw and was great. We liked what he had to offer. Um, and a lot of potential, a lot of upside with 10 years in New Zealand and coming over to Penn State. You know, obviously, they had injuries and COVID and thinking a ton of time over there. But that's why I think he's got a high ceiling, um, especially with like a Damien and Holden here as well. You know, so. Um, and in round three, we had the kind of playing with a little bit of house money that we had that X going in. We're going to leave here with $2,000 of cap space. We are at 35 and a guy that kind of really kind of caught my attention the last couple days before the draft was, you know, Carm Consolino and, uh, you know, made some calls. I was from Elkhorn, Wisconsin. I know a couple guys up there that coached him, you know, and met with them and played with them up there and some sevens and stuff and just glowing reviews, you know, eat, sleeps and breathes rugby. Um, had a great conversation with him. He's all about just getting on the, whether it be nine or 10 or 15, he is hundred percent down for any, uh, any challenge you throw at it, throw at them. And that's kind of the attitude we're looking for. Say no to nothing, say yes, go out there, whatever, you know, take a shot. And we were at 35 and uh, Toronto was at 30. And I thought, you know, looking at our board, I thought it was getting, you know, some teams are close, you know, might start making a call or two, or maybe I didn't want anybody to jump them at 33, 34. So I called Mark Wincourt, the GM at Toronto. And I know that, you know, them being in Toronto, they're probably going to go at that point in time, obviously with Canadian kids. So probably the difference before him, at 30 and 35 wasn't much. So, uh, you know, threw him 500 of that 2000 we acquired from Utah and uh, moved from 35 to 30 to get, get karma. So I tell you what, we can't get any better insight than that. Right. I yeah. mean, that was, that was <laughs> awesome. I really appreciate that. And perhaps what I appreciate more is you, as a rugby guy who's been around the, uh, been around the rugby block here in the United States, like yourself and, and off and on for me, you know, while the United States is a huge country compared to New Zealand or England or Wales or Scotland, um, it's a small rugby country, right? Yeah. Small rugby community. Oh, yeah. right. You know, you're only like two, maybe three, uh, you know, guys away from knowing somebody, right? Sure, so you, exactly. Like, like you mentioned, hey, I made a call. I called up to Wisconsin. I knew a couple guys. I coached him. I could get some insight. And, you know, it really helped you make a, a, a better informed, more comfortable decision with that pick. So um, I, I think that's a nuance that not many fans really think of when they think about 
being a GM of a team and, and deciding which way you're going to go. Yeah, no, it's a big piece. And especially, you know, like I said, it's you know, to get as much information as you can to make that report on a guy, you know, whether it be, you know, round three of an NMR draft or, you know, pulling the trigger on a, a guy from overseas, you know, which is crazy because, you know, you think about it and, you know, with all the insight that the guys have in the NFL and they see him for two, three years and huddle and sports car to meet him and his agent and coaches know him and talking to the, his strength and conditioning coach and all that, finally meeting him at the combine, everything, flying him in during, before the draft to walk the place and check the facility. Sometimes you sign a guy from overseas and the first time you actually meet him, is when you already spent money on his visa, already flew him and his family over. And the first time you actually physically shake his hand and meet him is at the airport when he's already here. Uh, so that'd be a really awkward, really tough pill to swallow is when you finally meet him at the airport and you didn't like him. That's going to be a rough two, three years, you know? So <laughs> I would get to know him as much as you possibly can before you pull that trigger, you know? And to me, it doesn't, uh, you know, obviously, you know, at that level with the uh, guys here in the United States still want to, whether it be flying them down here or pick, using a draft pick or spending any time with them. Um, I think it's good to have that insight. A hundred percent. And let's go to one of those uh, draft picks. We've talked a little bit about him. Uh, George Sharp He's uh, for those who don't know, he's a hooker from Arc State, one of the very competitive programs in D1A rugby. He was your first round pick at number 11. So run pass or kick. Was this a position of need that you identified early or was he kind of somebody that said, okay, it's the best best player available in a place of need? Yeah, I think it was a mix of both. It was, you know, like I said earlier about, you know, we have Paddle Tools coming back, Eric Howard is coming back, uh, our number three, who was just, was just an awesome, probably the best number three hooker you could have in the league with Kevin O'Connor. Um, and obviously when Eric was gone, you know, Kevin stepped right up the last back of the season was great. Um, him being up in the air, if he's going to be going back to California and working, you know, with his family, um, I thought that, this year's draft uh, had some hookers, like I mentioned, that I thought were, you know, solid prospects. And I thought George kind of fell right in that area where kind of looking at the board and kind of mock drafting it a little bit, guessing that, you know, a couple of these linen boys might go up here and um, life kid going up, you know, chase from life going up there. Um, you know, St. Mary's with Tavita, you know, kind of falling in place that hey, George might be right there at that nine area, you know? So it was a perfect mix of both of this one, Rob. It's not, I went to just pick the hooker because we need one if the, rating that we and the grade that we had on that hooker was a third rounder or an academy guy or a, you know a, a men's club type player or something like that that you know needs some work i thought george is a guy that um of course he's going to come in he's going to it's going to be a learning curve of course it's a massive leap from college to mlr but i think he has all the tools to do it and he kind of perfectly fell right in that you know number nine eleven channel well nine and it just turned into eleven awesome a hundred percent we're gonna take I'm a moment check both, i kind of check both boxes you know yeah i gotcha yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, let's talk for a moment about one of our sponsors that checks a lot of boxes for rugby fans, and that's Tighthead Brewing Company, Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers for all seasons. Located in Mundelein, Illinois, in the heart of Lake County, owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff will ensure you're kept well hydrated so you don't miss a single scrum. Tighthead staff room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy a wide variety of brews on tap. Don't forget, if you visit... This fall, there is a lot of rugby that is going to be on at Tight Ed's watch parties. You got things like the men's qualifiers. You got the women's World Cup. You got some premier sevens happening. You got some uh, world sevens happening. And, of course, we've got the late fall. We've got uh, some great rugby action happening. Of course, we got the All Blacks coming to our shores. We got Ireland coming to Vegas. It should be a great opportunity to have a beverage and enjoy some great company 
and great brews. So, hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. Thanks for indulging us here at the Rugby Rant. I can speak for my colleagues, uh, both Ty and Scott, who couldn't join us uh, due to some other commitments, both vacation and family. Uh, we really appreciate Tighthead support, and we appreciate you letting us take a moment out to thank our sponsors. And we'll jump right in back into the convo here and talk a little bit more about the draft. And I want to see if I, I'm interested to see if I can get a rise out of you. I mean, and every time we've had a conversation, I mean, uh, GM Fitz is absolutely um, chipper, loves what he does, thoroughly enjoys it, is just a happy camper all around. There's no sense that uh, of the the Marine drill sergeant um, in him. Um, so I'm going to go to this next question. Um, the golf report, uh, just I think on Monday, rated each team's draft and put Nola into the hmm category. Um, and uh, of course, uh, Goff, uh, Goff himself, <laughs> Alex Goff, wondered why you selected two scrum halves, both Alvarez and and they've talked about um, uh, yeah. Consuelo yeah. being being a scrum half fly half. So run pass or kick the goal that four scrum halves on the roster. Can you provide any insight for the fans that this draft class? Um, you know, that, that they might be thinking the same way Goff did, that maybe, like, what's going on there? Yeah. Well, thanks, Goff. Um, no problem. <laughs> I'm on it, you know. Um, well, first things, I think I already touched on it right off the bat. One, with Holden, was, yeah. uh, you know, was tough as far as contract was coming to an end. Would love to re-sign Holden. Uh, Holden's been a backbone for us. 45 games in the league, 45 games in gold history, and Holden's played 44. So, wow. um, of course, yeah, of course we'll take Holden back all day. Also, this um, – Second thing is that last year, as our number three uh, scrum half was Key and Barry, and still can be, and still was fighting for that spot, even fighting for number two, and always competing. But Kean's got a lot of versatility as well. That he can, you know, it's not like if you know he can play, you know, fullback. He can play that, you know, wearing that number twenty-three Jordan jersey where he comes in as an impact sub. So um, he's not just isolated to number nine. So um, same thing with Carm. Same Carm Consolino is in that kind of exact same realm, you know, where he's kind of a, you know, can play nine. His highlight reel's got him passing from nine. He's got playing at the line at 10. He's got, you know, kicking with his left foot at fullback. Those are great players. Those are great value picks. When you have a $500,000 salary cap and you try to cram 35 guys into it, uh, vers versatility wins. Get as much versatility wins there. Um, and then with Christian Alvarez, he is a smooth, like natural nine where he played it and didn't get a ton of time. So, and all that, everything that I just answered, I would also come back to what I had mentioned previously is that just because think of more of the MLB draft, you know, as far as that, you know, um, you know, you have, you have an ace pitcher on your team, just because you pick an ace pitcher in the draft doesn't mean like, well, why do you do that? You already got Roger Clemens. Yeah, but this guy's going to be coming up in another two years, not necessarily tomorrow. You know, not necessarily – he's not taking Roger Clemens' spot on the – you know, like he's probably got another year or two, you know. So um, – and also, you know, there's 16 games. There's a lot of injuries. Um, and But, you know, there's competing. There's Damian Stevens. There's – if Holden makes it back, great. If not, and Christian Alvarez, if Kean, um, we're going to we're gonna have fine ways to have fine guys to make make a mark, you know. And, you know, when you ask Carm, you ask him the same thing. Hey, you're 9, 10, 15. He's going to answer with, obviously, you know, probably like 15 the best, but I'd like, you know, I'll play some 10, play some 9. He doesn't say no to eight. So a guy like that is, let's bring him into training camp. Let's throw him in the mix. Let's let him compete at a little bit of all of them. Um, and, you know, it's also, it's today's what, August, you know, and August 24th. There's guys that, you know, we're still, you know, still negotiating with contract wise, you know, and still, you know, four months and more off season before we start actually going into training camp in January. So, 
I think load up the best, you know, load up your roster with the best talent, the most talented players you possibly can. And water usually finds its level. You know, yeah, it's kind of interesting. You mentioned Kim Barry and, you know, it just so happens if gold fans or MLR fans, remember just after the draft, you guys immediately signed key and signed Jack Webster just about yeah. simultaneously. So, right. you know, your, your draft uh, Intel didn't stop, you know, on draft night, you guys kept digging. Um, yeah, and Kim Barry, Barry had a great rugby town sevens. He's going to go back to England and play a lot of games at some nine and some 15 over this fall, get some games in there. Jack Webster is currently at Claremont, you know, right now in France, having a great you know, training sessions out there, playing some, you know, playing, getting another, getting a tournament this weekend as well. So, um, and those guys, you know, future guys that came light years, those guys are light years ahead of where they were in January of 2021. You know, they've done, you know, their exit interviews were tremendous and excited for the upcoming year. So, um, Plus, like I said, it's almost like, you know, you're building that farm system. The more they're, they're building, competing, we're taping our trainings and our huddle sessions and this, that, and the other. So, um, you know, there's guys that have opportunity even down the road. It's like, yeah, maybe we, you know, we bring them in here, we compete. The guy's still really good. You know, people forget that too. It's like if you ever end up uh, having to unfortunately have to cut some guy or let a guy go, it doesn't mean he's not good. It just means that we have a log jam at that position, you know. And, you know, so I think the more that you – the more versatility you can have as a player, uh, you know, the better opportunity you've got to make that 23. You know, happens all the time. You know, yeah, you're at 12 one week. Hey, we're going to have to move you to, excuse me, have to move you to 13. You know, hey, so-and-so had a concussion. You have to move back to 15. You know, when you got guys like that that can do that, uh, that's add them some pieces. So I didn't look at, you know, just Carm and Kean as just straight nines. You know, I looked at a little bit of a hybrid. Hey, bring them into camp, play this whole fall, and we'll see where they're best fitted. See where it shakes out. Absolutely. And for the record, um, <laughs> We're we're taping this just before, just after we did our rant, and um, you know, uh, for the record, I I said something about Nola's draft, like, hey, what's what's going on here? But I qualified it by because I didn't I didn't want to release that uh, that Holden. You know, we're not sure yeah. what he's going to do next year, right? Uh, out of respect for Nola, um, but you've made that public, just for the record. Um, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> And I'll make them all. You tell me, you know, I got no problem, you know, asking, you know, I mean, it's, you know, plus, like I said, it's, I love holding that. We would take him back and he loves it here as well. It's just, you know, yeah. sometimes where we're at part of life right now, you know, so we'll see though. Sure. It's not, it's not for sure. And, and I also mentioned the versatility piece that you just talked about, right. Is that I said, you know, Jim Fitz will have something up his sleeve. He, he, he has a vision to see what he wants, what he needs and knows that he's going to get some players that he might, they might be drafted as a scrum half or a fly out, yes. but. You know, he sees him in other spots. And we know that, that happened with one of your studs this year. Moni Tungawea was a center yeah. that moved to, to flank. Um, and, he's currently in, and, he's curr- and he's currently in Denver right now in the Eagle Pool. You know, yeah. so he's in training camp. I mean, he came down here year one as a wing center. And he's currently, as we speak, running a Bronco at probably, at, you know, in Denver for, you know, with Gary Gold and the whole crew. So keeping those open-minded like that, you know, and that was kind of a piece of advice where I think Morgan asked me before the draft for one of our interviews, stay open-minded just because you played such, something in high school you know, college, you know, come in with a, you know, totally clean slate. You know, you, you, you never know, you know, hundred percent. So you know a little about what you're doing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I try. I mean, it's, I mean hey, if you can, you know, just fake it till you make it, you know? So yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So I, I want to real quick um, on the heels of that one. And I, I might cut out a question or two here um, because I'm really interested in this one. You know, you guys really had to dig deep in at 10. Right with yeah. with JP going down and and Fixi going down in the fall last year November at, at the Bermuda, and of course you know then um, Robbie Coleman the starting number ten uh, goes down with a knee injury and you bring in Timmy, 
Um, yeah. You know, what I'm genuinely interested. And we've had conversations away from the mic before. You know, what do you what do you think? And how do you see the 10 shaping up? Yeah, I think I just actually about 20 minutes before I came on with you, just sat with J.P. Luff as well. Uh, and uh, him and Feeks are both ahead of schedule. They're on time. You know, they're both, you know, we're not starting training camp till January 3rd. Both of them should be cleared here within the next, you know, by I would think in the next month or so, by October. We'll get them all runs in. We'll get them cuts in, um, ease them back into it. But we got that down. We got that grace period. I'm sure we'll find, you know, maybe just a runaround or like simulated game type of just kind of not going full live. But then they also have the whole month of training camp in January and preseason games to play in those before, you know, like a February 5th type opener. So, and Robbie might, Robbie might be a little bit behind them, but I think that, you know, Fix and Elof obviously would be just fine too and be a hundred percent confident in them uh, to take the reins as well with, you know, um, still up in the air and still talking with uh, obviously with Timmy as well with Timmy Gilliman. So uh, I think we're going to be all covered there. And Robbie's ahead of schedule. Robbie's physio uh, gave credit to uh, Dr. Hurd. Our surgeon said, Hey, who did your surgery? Because I've never, I, I, I can't, I'm surprised. I can't believe you're this far ahead. Uh, that guy just nailed it. So that was really positive. He is back in Australia in training and uh, he's on pace to be good to go by training camp. So I think between all three, yeah, I think all three of those guys, uh, the, the grind that they put in, the refuse to quit, you know, I mean, Feeks turned on a different switch on just all in all summer, all season, you know, so I did same with Elof, you know, and, and then Robbie obviously has started the process here and now he's been just uh, an animal at, at getting back to it, you know, so, um, you know, I, I got full confidence and we believe in them and, um, and from the medical side, they're checking all the boxes. Cool. So we're, we, we got just about three questions left and, and uh, I want to kind of delve into one of the areas that we just touched briefly upon, you know, after the draft's over, you guys are still evaluating and look at players. So run pass or kick, what are your priorities in the free agent market this offseason? Um, I don't, I wouldn't say if we have any massive priorities as far as, you know, we have a lot, we're very confident with guys that are under contract. We've had a couple guys lock up for two, three years, you know? Uh, so we're very happy with our, their whole entire front row. Um, our four through eight, I think we're extremely deep bad and we're very happy with it. I mean, half the, you know, guys are, you know, in the Eagle or Canadian pool right now or up there. Um, obviously we got it at scrum half. We got it, you know, I'm waiting obviously to see with the, you know, with the holding younger situation, everything, obviously 10, I, you know, penciled in, I think we're all set there. Um, you know, I really liked obviously with JP and Wanda this year, gave up zero line breaks, you know, I mean, they were just lights out in defense. And I think we got some great battles at wing and at fullback, you know? So, um, I don't know if we have any massive priority needs, but at the same time, still, still finalizing some final numbers with some guys as some contracts and some guys, you know, Guys obviously want some raises, which is great. You know, it's very rare as a GM that anybody comes into your office and said, "Hey, I had a great year. I would like to take less money next year." That happens never, you know. So, uh, you know, so you got to obviously you got to still negotiate and try to, you know, um, you know, fit all that in. And you know, there's trade offers from people coming in left and right. There's always that's always something that's on the table. Um, but as far as priorities and massive needs and penciled in on the big board here and everything that I, I like our roster that's coming back. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to touch upon a piece that you just mentioned, and that is salary cap. Um, yeah. Can is there anything you can share with us? So run past or kick? Is there anything you can share with us out of the league about next year's twenty twenty two salary cap? As all we know, it's been consistently at five hundred thousand um, dollars over the last two seasons. Obviously, COVID. We want to slow right. things down. We right. didn't want it to grow this year. We want to see how COVID uh, played out, but. Looks like we had a great season. We fit 99 yeah. and 0. Um, yeah. things, you know, things were really went well for the league this year. 
Will we see a growth in this in the team salary cap? Will we see a growth on the individual salary cap coming in 2022? Um, like you said, I can't. I mean, I, I don't 100. percent It's not that I'm avoiding the question. So I don't 100 percent know. I mean, obviously the the league will come out, the board of governors and everything that will come out. That I would. My guess, just from the outside looking in, and like you said, I didn't expect anything to change from COVID year 2020 to 2021 because we only had five games and the season shut down. Um, you know, but I would think you know basic. Probably at the very least, I would think basic inflation or basic, you know, growth of like you know, rent going up for apartments or anything, cost of living, everything. I'm sure it's going to tweak a little bit. I'm sure the competition committee, everything as well, will agree on adding a little piece here, adding a little piece there. I don't know if it's, I don't suspect it's going to do something like a massive blow up, but it's again, that's all uh, coming down the league and coming coming down from the league. And I'm uh, fairly certain to be coming down the league pretty soon here. But uh, um, I, I would think that you know, it's good just to see a steady progress and steady growth with not just financially from the cap in general but everything you know the it's having the exact exit interviews with guys it's funny it's like how the pendulum swings and things have changed you know 2018 after your exit interviews people are just happy to be here i'm happy to get a check to play rugby i mean we're playing at shaw high school where it's kind of kind of you know a little bit a little bit of grass and a little bit of sand and uh you got a little bit of you know that little bit of tlc love from all of our fans in there and now you see the fans are, our fan base has tripled since then and we're playing at the gold mine and you know guys uh you know some bigger names are trying to come over and guys are developing you know a player that is now currently on the roster in 2021 is you know two or three times better than he was in 2018 because of everything that we're adding the coaching the the huddle, the sports car, the GPS, everything, the gyms, you know, every, just making it uh, more and more professional every day, you know, and uh, obviously with that comes, you know, more and more money and salary cap, but also the outside looking, making it more of a professional atmosphere every single day for the players. Absolutely. Um, uh, so I, I want to just real quick, and, and this doesn't have to be anything in depth, and you can take it any way you want. I'm not going to interpret it. Okay. I'll let you interpret it, right? So Thursday night, it's you've had the time to digest the draft. Run passer kicked it. Any other team's draft class raise an eyebrow after you had an opportunity to kind of take it all in and and survey the landscape. Um I'll pass it off to you, Rob. I'll pass it off to you and answer what you thought first. And maybe I'll feel, maybe I'll chime in as well. And yes, there, there, and there was a couple here and there, but I, uh, um, again, what, what it's hard to answer, to answer honestly, fairly, you might have a little bit of an eyebrow raise or something like that, or maybe thinking like that. But at the same time, just like you asked me where golf has us in the um category, we don't, not everything is general public knowledge of every guy's contract situation or every guy's report or well, why would they do that? They have so-and-so coming back or, I thought that was a little, you know, a little bit higher than, you know, expected, or I didn't know he knew him. Where did he see him to even pick him or something, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but again, not inside that war room. I don't know their current contract situations with every guy. So it's hard to um, always base it off of that. But I mean, to passing it off to you, uh, what did you think? Um, I think two things. Uh, Dallas surprised me a bit. And um, maybe Vassy has a, you know, a vision uh, from what Rick Collins has talked about, because we know Rick very well here at the Rugby Rant. He certainly says it's pretty consistent with a vision. If I was Dallas, I would have tried, I would have picked a, a sure thing that can go on the field, can be on the grass and you're starting 23 day one. Um, you know, and to me, those are your, those are your big boys. You're, you're proven guys that have the physicality. Andrew Gara talked about the need to, as did, by the way, tell us, talked about physicality and the importance of it. 
Um, so I would have gone with one of the two Lindenwood boys. Um, and I really like the compliment on the wing. I think it's a, a strum. Um, yeah. Really, look, you know, he, I, I think he'll be a tremendous compliment to uh, Connor Mooneyham on the other side. You could really, yeah. um, that, that's going to really be a powerful, powerful guy on your, on your 15 meter channel there. So those two guys are, interest me quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. He was at the rugby showcase. And I was the first I met him. And it's ironic is that Ross Depperschmidt for us went to the University of Alabama, was teammates with him. And they're similar is how hard they hustle, how hard they run. I mean, you know, Caleb made some unbelievable plays at the rugby showcase of just, you know, chasing the guy down from 20 meters and stripping it from him, picking up and go, you know, he was, he was, you know, Ross, Ross Depperschmidt 2.0, as far as just hustling around the field, but, you know, I, I'm sure his Broncos through the roof and outstanding as well. Um, and yeah, I, I, we had Eric, not Eric Nabowski was here uh, last year during that USA rugby window where you have kind of the December area. We can come and visit and train with some MLRTs and Eric has an unbelievable step in the, um, you know, lightning, you know, can really turn it on, get that fifth gear. And you can tell obviously by Dallas also picking Connor Mooneyham last year, that whatever vision that obviously Elena Dallas, they probably trying to find some of those finishers and put points on the board. So um, it's, it's too early for anybody to, you know, say, I, I understand where a lot of people sometimes, you know, getting a, getting a big fella and getting, you know, getting the Albert or a chase or something like that. But at the same time, they have, they have a vision, they have their board, they want to score. You know, and, you know, like Connor Mooneyham came in this league and did some good scoring, yeah. you know, so you never know, you know, uh, we might all might all be sitting here eating crow and be like, hey, great stuff. And I, I Eric is a, Eric is a really good kid that uh, when he was here, he was a, he was an awesome kid. Absolutely. We can't wait to see what he does next season in 2022. Yeah. I want to go to my last question. Um, and again, I want to thank you so much for your time. You've obviously stayed in the office a little later than, than uh, uh, the sergeant at home would probably like you to, but um, and whether, you know, she's a little tiny one or, or a bigger, uh, uh, an adult <laughs> gal, uh, we're not sure, but we'll leave it up to you. Nevertheless, um, you know, you've been with the gold, obviously from its inception, you've had to build a team from scratch. I mean, you're in here now, we're going into our fifth year and you have the pleasure of now figuring out what pieces you need and how they're going to fit together in a draft, but you built a team from scratch like Dallas going to do. What's one piece of advice that you would give a new GM? coming into the league they have to know that you care they have to know that you care everybody talks about culture um culture is just something something you can just buy everybody talks about it. everybody wants it um that was kind of one of the best piece of advices i got when i was in the marines for my first sergeant when i picked up sergeant is now you're kind of taking a platoon sergeant role a little bit of leadership role you're on your second tour in iraq no matter if you have good days bad days tough days, you know, got to cut a guy, whatever it is, sign a guy, pick him up. They, you know, rugby players, a lot like the military will follow you through anywhere. They'll go through drywall for you. They'll bust, they'll bust their butt for you, but they have to, they have to believe and they have to know and feel that you care about them. You know, it can't just be, it can't just be just, you know, picking guys left. You know, I mean, it's gotta be, um, that would be, that would be my number one. My number two would be, um, as you're picking players, that'd be first and foremost, you know, hundred percent that goes for whatever, actually probably a, a good life, I guess, idea, whatever sport you're building or business you're building or anything. But um, my number two would be as a GM. And, but I, you know, when I hired Nathan year one, everything that is having a vision of, you know, kind of what you, you know, what kind of a team you want a team you build, because it does no good if I'm sitting here in the war room and I love this guy, I, this guy's awesome. This guy's the best, you know, unbelievable player. This guy's a turning point. And our head coach and our coaching staff are like, no, he's not the guy. He's terrible. There's does nothing, you know, they're making the selections and I'm giving them the reins to make the selections. It's their call. They're the coaches. You got to be on the same page. So I think 
envisioning what Kane Thompson wants out of his forwards, envisioning what Nate wants out of his backs. And they're giving those guys what we want and what every player kind of brings to the table. That way, then when I go hit the road or watching film, you know, you can kind of break down that guy will fit our style that, you know, not just the way we play, but also the culture as well. So um, that, you know, that's, those are the two biggest things is one from a player perspective. It does, it'll go, they got to know that you care. They got to believe and know that, that you care. And then two, from a roster standpoint, I would say being on the same page and having the same vision as your coaching staff. Now you can have, you can have uh, uh, discrepancies on different players where you know, one, one rates them really highly, one maybe doesn't, but at least you are all kind of looking and grading off the same thing. hundred percent. So two sound pieces of advice. Uh, and I know that the, from our talks with uh, a couple of weeks ago with Commissioner Killebrew, certainly there's going to be uh, some teams coming into the league in the next couple of years that that should heed that advice, by the way. Um, yeah. So before we check out, uh, is there anybody you want to throw a shout out to? Um, anything, um, you know, something, a cause close to your heart that you just want to um, um, give some, uh, you know, give some shout out to? Well, I'll just keep it simple. Just give a shout out to obviously our gold fans through this whole process and this whole season. I mean, it's been, uh, and obviously our whole entire staff, all of our loved ones, all of our family and everything that had to put us through. This is my 21st year of rugby. This was obviously uh, not just myself, everybody involved in this whole season, league-wide, probably worldwide rugby. It's a very challenging year, very tough year, um, specifically if, you know here at the gold mine, obviously with COVID, obviously with you know, some injuries, you know, like a JP and an Ela before a JP and a Fix before it happened, and then obviously the big one, you know, with Sean Riley passed away, and just a, a devastating way to start the season for a you know for a team. You throw COVID in the mix and all that stuff, and on top of that, uh, for the COVID for the past year, and on top of that, one of the best men you'll meet near, you know, Sean Riley passing away, um, and then just the grind of the whole season, all the way to ending on the road with six consecutive weeks on the road and thirty-eight thousand miles later, um, five wins, yeah, five out of six, and international duty with guys going away and guys getting their first shot, and you know, uh, you know, and getting on that wearing that gold jersey for the first time and doing really well, and, you know. It just the highs and lows of a whole season on top of everything that always comes with. And all of our our, our ownership, our staff, our coaching, all the all the wives, girlfriends, family members that were involved in that and being patient with that through the whole thing. Um, it's something that I'll personally never forget. This is a, It was a special season, and uh, we're looking to continue to build off of that. And if that was your first year in Major League Rugby, you got to think, hey, it can't get much tougher than that as far as what they're going to throw at you, you know? So, um, And through all that, you know, we ended with the third best record in the league and ten, the first time getting the double-digit wins at 10. So I was really, really, really proud of our guys to uh, keep on just battling every single day. Just keep swinging. Life's just throwing it at you and our, our character. And I think uh, that it's, that you be uh, got some equity in that character that's going to last a long time. Yeah, we can't wait till next season when three teams qualify for the playoffs rather than just two from each conference, right? Yeah, that'll be yeah, that'll be great. Yeah. yeah. So uh, after having gotten that sniff in, in the last two full seasons, um, so uh, real quick, I want to thank our sponsors, Rugby Coffee. Thank you so much for your support. We want to continue to support their endeavor to support youth rugby. Um, thank you so much to Tighthead Brewster, tremendous guy, supports the rugby community here in Chicago um, and in Lake County. And of course, Can I Brands, who helps uh, players recover, helps them, um, you know, make them feel a little bit more comfortable, uh, you know, after coming off injuries. So we appreciate what they do as well. And we most certainly want to thank uh, the Noah Gold and General Manager of the Noah Gold, Ryan Fitzgerald. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. We appreciate you making time after that horrible storm last night. Um, we hope we hope uh, uh, fans enjoyed this one. We really wanted to work it in because I think there was some quality uh, 
quality responses out of Ryan. Thank you so much for joining us, my friend. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Amber. I mean, appreciate it. I appreciate all the questions. I love the love the honesty and digging into it. Love getting into the nitty gritty of uh, you know providing some of that info for the fans inside the war room and everything. It's it's awesome. So it was a rush. I can't wait till next year already. It was a blast. Me so. too. Me too. And I know I can speak for my rugby rant partner Scott Ferrara, Ty Baraga, myself. I'm Rob Hammerschmidt. Thank you so much for watching the Run Passer Kick with GM of the Nola Gold, Ryan Fitzgerald, and we will see you folks at the next. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.